Welcome to the Food Issues Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Revelant, and I'm a journalist, healthcare copywriter, and a mom of two. In every episode, we talk about the challenges around feeding kids and give you practical and realistic solutions that will inspire and empower you to raise healthy eaters. Hi, friends. Welcome to another week of the podcast. So there's no getting around the fact that we all have to eat and feed our kids. But when dinner time rolls around and you've had a busy day, you're exhausted and hangry, figuring out what you're going to cook and what everyone will eat can be really challenging. A few years ago, one of my friends told me about meal planning and how well it worked for her family. She tried to convince me that it was easy and worth it, but searching for the recipes, planning out meals, and making a list of all the ingredients, it seemed like it was too much work and too time-consuming. But in the past year or so, my life has become even more hectic, and I realized that I need to meal plan to make sure that dinner gets on the table every night. Trust me, it's not at all fancy. I usually plan out a lot of the same meals and spend about 10 minutes looking for a few new recipes, write my shopping list, and that's it. Even if you hate cooking, there are ways to feed your family without making it super complicated or expensive. That's Laura Fuentes, founder of the popular site Mamables.com. Laura teaches parents how to eliminate processed foods and added sugars from their family's diet through her organized meal plans, family kickstart program, and recipe videos on YouTube. She is also the author of five cookbooks. Laura explains how to make meal planning easy and enjoyable, how you can save five hours of cooking and cleaning in just one hour a week, and how to find joy in cooking even if your kids don't eat what you make. This episode has a ton of realistic tips for your life as a busy parent, and I know you're going to love this interview with Laura Fuentes. Well, Laura, welcome to the Food Issues Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited for today's conversation. I know that meal planning can be an issue, so Julie, I'm thrilled to have your, you know, give your listeners some tips so it food is not an issue for them, meal planning anyway. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, like many of my guests, I have been following you for quite some time and very familiar with your work. But for people that don't know about your story, please tell us about your story and your career path and how you work with people today. Yes. So um, I launched Mamables back in 2012. Uh, And I'm a mom to three kids. I live here in the U.S. And I, like many of your listeners, had to teach myself how to cook once I had a family. And while I had a general concept of what healthy eating should look like, I was born and raised in Spain. So I really grew up with a lot of um, fresh daily meals. I, you know, everything was homemade because I kind of grew up with my grandparents. So in my mind, homemade and fresh and healthy meant that I, my grandmother spent a lot of time cooking. So I also, that translated into, wow, it's so much work. And um, once I had kids, I realized, okay, I actually have to do this every day for every meal. And um, I really struggled in the kitchen. So I knew that I had to find shortcuts and ways to make real food possible and doable every night of the week, especially when I had, you know, an infant on my hip and everything else. And I started trying recipes, teaching myself by watching Food Network back then because it was, um, you know, there was no social like it is today. And I just, I started sharing recipes online 
things that worked for me in a way just to help and reach other parents. Um, also feed their families, you know, like the shortcuts to take. And then I really realized that meal planning was the way the weeks that I would plan my meals, not something complicated, just, you know, plan out the foods we were going to make and then go shopping with that list. Um, so essentially give my food a purpose. I was giving our money a purpose and I wasn't wasting as much. So I really, um, I, I started meal planning really out of financial necessity as well at the time. And all of those tips, all that kind of like, it all was happening simultaneously, obviously. It was sort of like a journey. And as I shared all those things online, I started to grow a community of people who also were, you know, learning to cook. They were just trying, you know, cooking for two and cooking for families a lot different. And so, you know, they wanted to make those meals possible for their family. They wanted to take shortcuts without sacrificing their health goals. Um, they also had long days at work and tired kids at the end of the day. So all of the things that we were experiencing and I was sharing, I translating into meal plans originally um, with school lunches. And then I ex expanded into dinner and um, I've written five cookbooks along the way, just by trying recipes, sharing them, learning more about the craft. And it's been such a good journey. And now I just really share the meal planning, the everyday, weekly meal plans and my cookbooks and online at Mama Bowls and everywhere else online. Um, but it's been so fun and just getting to know the parents in my community and their needs and getting to work with them. That's wonderful. I love how, you know, you hear these stories and that it just started with a passion really. And, and I think that's what drives you to be successful. Yeah. I mean, a passion, but also a need, you know, like we all have to eat, like yeah. we all have to feed our families. Um, you know, especially when you, and we're all tired at the end of the day. And when you have younger kids, a lot of those things combined is a recipe for disaster at six o'clock. And Although many of us also struggle with like, what should I make for breakfast and lunch and all this stuff? I realized that evenings, because it's the meal that we, most of us spend together, we, the time that we have with our family, it's also the meal that we put most pressure on. So I really started focusing on eliminating that pressure that we put on ourselves as parents and on our kids to eat and just making it, you know, simpler. Even if you hate cooking, there are ways to feed your family without making it super complicated or expensive. Yeah, that's definitely true. And, and we're going to talk about those tips later on. But, you know, more people took up home cooking during the pandemic, and it seems that the trend has stuck. There was a recent survey done, and it found that 39% of people are cooking between three and five times a week. So pretty good. But parents also say they're too busy and stressed out to cook. And and some, like you said, just don't like cooking. And so how can we overcome these challenges and bring the joy back into our cooking and to our homes? Yes. So that is also something that I've noticed with my community as well. They, during the pandemic, they took on more home cooked meals, right? Because we were all home a lot more. Then they realized, wow, this is a lot of work, right? And we went from just packing a lunch and some snacks to go, right? When our kids went to school to now breakfast, lunch, and dinner at home. And then many of us are working from home or we've just really shifted a lot of the things that we did before um, to accommodate for today, right? And the life that we're living. And so parents are just really overwhelmed 
for the entire, what I found also in my community is that they're overwhelmed with the entire process of cooking, not just cooking the food, but the recipe selection, figuring out what to cook and what to buy, right? Like if you planned a recipe and now they're out of an ingredient, what do you do? Um, and then when it comes to a dinner time, now they're stressed out because they know maybe not everyone's going to eat that meal or um, they're just, at the end of the day, what I found is that they were trying to please too many cooks in the kitchen, mm, right? We're trying mm-hmm. to please our kids. We're trying to <laughs> please our our health, right? Like meet our health goals, right? We want to eat healthier. Um, so the reason we're, the whole joy part of it has been sucked out is because we no longer finding the adventures, kind of like why eating out is so fun and exciting because you kind of look at the menu and somebody else prepares it. And it, it's kind of like, um, a bit more fun and adventurous because, you know, it, it can be exciting to try something new or for many parents going out to eat is the one time they get to eat what they want. Right. Mm. So my biggest tip is to, to start enjoying homemade meals or eating at home more is to stop pleasing everyone and make a plan for the foods that you want to eat, you know, the plan, out, you know, for your dinners and all the other meals, but that includes meals that you and your spouse or your partner, that the adults want to eat. This is why mealtimes are not enjoyable for adults is because we are often so focused on what our kids will want, what our kids will eat, that we're left with zero to no energy and nothing is pleasing to us, the people that are putting in the work. So my top tip is to make sure that your week includes meals that regardless whether your kids or not will eat them, that they make you happy to cook them. They make you happy to try them and um, incorporate those back in. That's a really unique perspective and something you don't really hear about in terms of the parents, you know, having, enjoying their meals. And, and, and I think that's a great point about the fact that we're so stressed out about what our kids going to eat and what they don't like and what they'll accept. And I think there are many parents who become short order cooks. And so mm-hmm. why is that really not a good idea? So the reason it's not a good idea to become a short order cook, well, there are many, okay? One reason is from a financial perspective, it is more expensive to make multiple meals at many meals. And um, because, you know, you need more food options, more ingredients. It's not about the number of portions. It's really more ingredients, more variety, higher cost. And the and it is estimated that 30% ends up in the trash anyway. So I really, from a cost perspective, it's not a good idea from a time perspective, right? So if you're not, if you don't like or enjoy cooking that much, and now you're spending more time because you're making several meals at mealtimes, that's also a negative, right? So it's also not a good idea from, from a time perspective and simply put from a, um, teaching habit forming perspective at home, you know, we're not teaching our kids to eat a variety of meals, right? Or, or foods and ingredients when everything is tailored, or at least one of the options is tailored for only what they will eat or want. So we're really not setting an example to build healthy eating habits um, because we're, for the most part, simply put, parents are just not making the foods that kids won't want to eat. Yeah. And I think that it just doesn't set a good stage as, as they, it doesn't set the stage for healthy eating as they get older. And, but if you do keep, you know, you stick to one meal and you keep offering 
new foods and those foods in a regular rotation, kids can eventually come to accept them, even if they don't ultimately prefer them. And so when we talk about meal planning, we probably think, okay, time-consuming, complicated, overwhelming, I can't do it. I don't know how. Where do I start? Right. I know I thought right. of that when I when a friend told me about meal planning, but let's debunk some of those myths. Yes. So the first thing, time consuming. Let's talk about this. It literally takes five or ten minutes to create a plan for the week. And the reason I say five to ten minutes is because what I always suggest for to parents that are just starting with meal planning or don't do it because they hate it. Um, and then they fall back on the recipes that they're, they make week to week anyway, right? Like everybody has their list of tried and true recipes. I say to them, the reason meal planning is not time consuming is because all you're doing, just imagine that you're going to make those same recipes, but now you actually write them out in a list form or on a piece of paper, right? Like the key is to write it down. So when you write them down um, in just five minutes, it kind of allows you to take a look visually, not just to carry it in your head, because we're already carrying a lot of responsibilities and things. So when you look at it visually, you're able to see that following. Is there enough variety? You know, have I been making these meals, you know, week after week? Are they giving me any joy as an adult, as a person making the meals? Are these recipes supporting my health goals, right? Like uh, all the things, when you actually look at it on paper, and all it took is five minutes to write down five to six things that you're going to eat for dinner. We're going to just going to talk about dinner for now. Um, you're able to see what does really our week look like, right? And then I, you know, I suggested earlier, okay, well, maybe, maybe, just maybe if you're not, if you don't enjoy cooking, let's take out one of those meals that's sucking the joy out of it and swap it with something that makes you happy to cook that night, right? So for once, let's take one out that you're like, oh my gosh, not again, pasta night or whatever it may be, okay? <laughs> right. um, so now you're gonna go, you know what? I've really been trying to, I really wanna eat seafood once a week or salmon, for example, or what, you know, insert ingredient, tofu, whatever it is that you're like, you know, I've really been wanting to do this. So that night, you're going to go find one recipe whether, and I know everybody saves recipes on their Instagram feed and on Pinterest and the world of inspiration is out there for everyone. Okay. So all I ask is that night you substitute it with something that would bring you joy to eat or try. That's it. The rest of the night, the rest of the week, it can suck it out of you. But that one night, all I'm saying is, you know what? You do deserve to eat something you enjoy. And one use, you know, why planning is important is when you write down that recipe let's take a look at the ingredients or the, the, the things that are served with that, right? So for example, say that you're making a grilled salmon served with um, some rice and green beans. That's say that recipe inspiration, that's what it has. Well, you know what? Green beans are usually not a winner at your house. So imagine, but for example, maybe peas are, or maybe carrots are. So now in that meal, if you want to make sure that everybody eats a vegetable, then Let's maybe not buy as many green beans and buy some carrots as well. So now some people can eat carrots and some people can eat green beans, but ideally the entire recipe option is still there, right? And then you're going to go, but Laura, what if they don't eat salmon? 
well, you know what? You're still going to make the salmon. You're still going to eat the green beans. You're going to make the green beans and the carrots and the rice. And if all the kids eat that one night is the carrots and the rice, it's okay. Because now you're looking at the week as a whole and going, you know what? The rest of the week, they're eating protein. They're eating everything else. And this one meal, you know what? This one meal is going to bring me joy. And it's okay that they eat rice and veggies that night. That's right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's not our job to make sure that they eat. It's just our job to provide the Provide the, food. the option, yeah. right? Yeah. And so the option, what I want parents to understand is that if cooking is not enjoyable, let's talk about the things that bring you joy, right? And for most of us, what brings us joy is feeling, you know, in the kitchen is feeling validated, appreciated, and actually eating something that supports our health goals or our priorities our dietary lifestyle and something that, you know, from time to time, a little variety, that's an adult meal and it's okay. I'm giving you permission to do that maybe once a week, hopefully twice or more. But the idea is that you start there. Um, so it's not time consuming, right? You takes five minutes to write all of this down. Um, and then you're just going to simply take a look at your pantry and your refrigerator and your freezer and go out of the foods that I have, you know, what can go in these meals? And then what do I need to buy? And then you write a, you write a list, right? Because the problem often happens is when we go to the grocery with the list in our head, right? Yeah. And the list in our head just doesn't work. So again, five minutes, write it down, uh, make a list of whether it's on your phone or on paper and bring it with you when you grocery shop. Great. That that sounds a lot better than I think what most people think about meal planning. And and I think the I do meal plan and I think the best benefits are that you save money because you can look at the circular and figure out what's on sale and build your meals around that. And then it just time, you know, at five when five o'clock rolls around, I don't have time to start thinking about what we're gonna eat for dinner. And if that happens, it's usually a quesadilla, which isn't terrible, but you know, I, I like to have, like you're saying, variety. Um, and yes, so, but six o'clock yeah. happens to all of us more <laughs> often than once a week, right? Yeah. So the, the problem lies is like when once in a, like, perfect example, like a couple of weeks ago, I wanted to make, I was testing a recipe and I assured my family, hey guys, I'm going to come home from work with this recipe. Da, da, da. Well, you know what? The recipe failed. So, and it was 6.45 when I was like, leaving. And I'm like, Oh no, my husband's like, Hey, I gave the kids a snack a while ago. What should I do? I was like, you know what? This is going to be a pizza night. So sure enough, he grabbed a frozen pizza from the freezer and he was like, no problem. You know, he knew I was stressed out because I was on a deadline to test a recipe one. And two, I really, you know, I was, I was looking forward to it and now I had no option. So it was like, you know what? That's the one time, right. Or once in a while. But when you are unprepared and re you reach for the quesadilla or the pizza or the frozen nuggets time after time, right? That number one, it doesn't, again, add variety, but two, it doesn't support our, our health goals for adults. Like as most of us are also have our own personal health and eating goals, right? And, you know, whether it's eating healthy or weight loss or you know, whatever it may be. So it doesn't support it. So day after, you know, when that happens once, it's okay. But day after day, we literally begin to feel like we are not supported and what we want does not matter. Absolutely. Well, this is amazing, Laura. We're going to take a break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about how to get started and make this super easy for people. 
If you want mealtimes to be easier and less stressful, getting your kids in the kitchen is one of the best things you can do. I know that it's really encouraged my kids to eat their vegetables and try new foods, and it's given them a ton of confidence in the kitchen. But if you don't know how to cook or you don't like to cook, the Kids Cook Real Food eCourse is for you. This course was created by a mom of four and former elementary school teacher, and it's designed to build connection, confidence, and creativity in the kitchen. With Kids Cook Real Food, you'll get more than 30 basic cooking skills, 45 videos, including a ton of bonuses, principal supply and grocery shopping lists, and kid-friendly recipes like Tex-Mex white bean dip and homemade pizza. The course is designed for all kids ages two to teen and has three different skill levels. Your kids will learn how to crack eggs, cook rice, make a salad, and safely use knives, the oven, and appliances. If your kids have food allergies or dietary restrictions, no problem because the course has a ton of substitutions. My kids and I have taken the course and it was so easy to follow along that they made an entire recipe on their own. More than 18,000 families have taken the course and the Wall Street Journal named it the number one cooking class for kids. You can sign up by going to kidscookrealfood.com slash food issues. And because you're a listener, you'll get a free lesson. Again, go to kidscookrealfood.com slash food issues and sign up. We all know that kids love their snacks, but finding healthy snacks with real food ingredients that are also affordable isn't always easy. That's why I love Thrive Market. Thrive Market is an online membership-based market that makes healthy living easy and affordable. Everything is organic and non-GMO, and members save an average of $32 on every order. My kids really love the skinny dip dark chocolate almonds and Lara bars, especially coconut cream pie. So delicious. Thrive Market also has essential groceries, safe supplements, non-toxic home products, and clean beauty products, plus ethical meat, sustainable seafood, clean wine, and more. If you join today, you can get 25% off your first order and a free gift. All you have to do is go to thrivemarket.com slash food issues where you can sign up and see my favorite items. And for every paid membership, they give a free membership to a family in need. So sign up today at thrivemarket.com slash food issues. All right, Laura. So let's break this this down and make it really easy. How can people get started? You're saying literally just write down their recipes, write down their ingredients, anything else they need to know. Yeah. So after you do that, um, make sure, then you are going to write down maybe the breakfast that you plan on eating that week or snacks you want to have on hand or the, the foods that you're going to need for lunches, right? The idea is that when you go to the grocery store, you are as prepared as possible to not make impulse buys, to not buy what's on sale that maybe you'll make sick. Now you could buy what's on sale as long as you're going to use it to cook within a week or two is my rule of thumb. Because anything that you buy, quote, on sale today that doesn't get used anytime soon, it's just really spending money. So, um, you know, ideally that you just start by writing things down and then The most important part is actually following through when you're home, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So the reason of having a plan on hand is really important is because if you can combine ingredients from one night to the next, so you're cooking or not, people think of batch cooking as in like, oh, you cook once and eat the same thing all week long. 
Um, but maybe say that you just made um, some salsa, some green salsa chicken or salsa verde chicken, some chicken, right? On a, on a Tuesday night and say you're making these. Um, I just made a meal plan literally 30 minutes ago. So I'm going to walk you through it. But say <laughs> on Tuesday, you're making this salsa verde chicken, which you're going to ser- serve over um, rice. Think of them as like burrito bowls or rice bowls, or, you know, it's like going to Chipotle, but at home and much cheaper. So mm-hmm. on Tuesday, you're going to cook extra of that chicken. And you're going to write off, not after you eat, but before you, the key to batch cooking is before, before you serve anyone, you remove the amount that you need for another night. The mistake a lot of people make is they save leftovers for the following meal. The thing to do is actually when you cook extra for another meal is to reserve it ahead of time so that you actually have the food for that other meal. So you're prepared the other meal. So, um, so right off the bat, you're going to save half of that chicken that's already cooked and wonderful. And then two days later on Thursday, not the next night, because no one wants to feel like they're eating the exact same thing and the next day or the same flavors. But two nights later, I just wrote down that we're going to make salsa verde pasta. So I simply cook that night. I simply cook pasta in, you know, 15 minutes is done. And then I toss it in with that salsa verde chicken, sprinkle a little cheese over the top. And I think we have like a side salad that night as well. So that's literally 20 minutes. If you could, I usually text my husband when I leave the office and go, Hey, time to boil water or my teenager or somebody, (laughs) you know, like time for water, what size pot, the big one. So, um, so really it is that simple by combining ingredients, but the most important part is actually sticking to the plan, right? Like that night, that's what we have. And if somebody doesn't want to eat the pasta, you know, in some households like, oh, my kid doesn't want the things mixed up. Okay. Well, reserve a little bit of the chicken before you toss it with everything and reserve a little bit of the pasta that so it's plain before you toss it. But ideally you're accommodating, but you're not making a separate meal. Great. Great. So you say that you can, that people can save five hours of cooking and cleaning in one hour a week. Okay. So tell me how that's possible. Yeah. So I say that, um, usually when it, when you come home from the store. Okay. So 10 minutes, we just talked about like you spend little, I literally spend five or 10 minutes max creating a plan. Right. And so that's now you have 15 minutes left and we all have to shop. So I'm not taking that time into consideration, but, um, when you get home, um, my rule of thumb is everything that goes in the fridge gets washed real quick. So if it goes in clean, it's ready to be served or used. Okay. So, um, in that the other 50 minutes, I'm washing the produce that comes in, whether it's my berries, whether it's my grapes, um, apples, uh, oranges, whatever it is that I buy, I clean and have it prepped and ready to be enjoyed or chopped or served. And then I also look at my week and go, man, does two of my recipes need chopped onions? Well, if I bought whole onions, I'm going to chop them and that put them in a zip bag. Or sometimes, honestly, I just skip the chopping and buy frozen onions because they save me a lot of time. So there's that. But the idea is I'm going to look at what I have to do. Do I need to clean the chicken? Can I marinate? Right? Like what I want to do in that one hour of prep when I get home, because we, everybody gets home from the grocery and has to put away their food, right? So we all have to do that. So if you build in a little bit of time by maybe it's dicing or dividing or pre-measuring, right? Like the last thing I want to do is measure 
when I'm tired or I'm trying to help with homework and cook along. So I make a lot of the, whether it's a marinade or maybe the sauces or things that go into recipes, I use like old mason jars or zip bags and I just have it there and I put a post-it or a, a label that says what recipe is for. So if it's, for example, like a stir fry and that gives me, you know, that stir fry requires like combining um, soy sauce and sesame oil and a couple, you know, like say five or six ingredients in five minutes, I pre-measured everything in a jar. And even though it's for Friday, it's still good because the soy sauce and it stays in the fridge. So that just eliminated some headaches, right? So what's five minutes one day really eliminates a lot more later. Yeah. And my kitchen is already a disaster from coming back from the grocery. I, my kids probably ate something while I was gone. So there's <laughs> things on the counter, right? I'm really being realistic. Yeah. So the the less things I have to clean later, that also saves me washing time, right? Like we think of the time we spend in the kitchen as cooking only, but we actually spend a lot of time cleaning up after the prep. So the more you can prep before, right? Or say, um, you know, if I'm boiling, you know, you could even boil the pasta and put it in once it's cooled, put it in the fridge. And so for that, you know, salsa verde pasta, all you have to do is toss it together, right? So there are things that you can do that can be happening simultaneously in just one hour. And honestly, like I literally allocate like one hour at most on the weekend to help myself get ready for the week. Yeah. Doing all that work up front, it totally makes a difference. It makes your life a lot easier throughout the week. Yeah. Plus it's easier for me to delegate when it's almost mostly done to somebody else. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. You, so you let your kids do that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. If, they're, if, if you're listening and you've got like 10 year olds and up, you can definitely delegate some of the help of this, what I'm, of the things I just named. And during the week, if someone's home, they can put the a little water to boil, you know, like if you worked 10, 15 minutes, or maybe you're leaving the grocery store on the way home, you can call somebody and go, hey, can someone put the pot of water to start boiling and help me out? Great. Yeah. Right. Because it's a family. Simple. It's a family affair for sure. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, kids are notorious as being picky eaters, but there's also families that have different dietary restrictions and yeah. family members following different plans or some spouses who ha- can have strong preferences. I know my brother um, will not eat leftovers and I just feel terrible for my sister-in-law. But um, so what are some ways to find some healthy, delicious recipes that everyone in the family will enjoy? Yes. So what I tell, let's talk about like the um, the food allergy part real quick, because that's like a big one when people have different dietary preferences or necessities, right? Um, my biggest tip to keep it simple is to simply don't look at the things your family or this member cannot eat. Look at it as a, what are the things that they can eat from which to build meals? So basically you're looking at all the things they can eat. You already know what they cannot eat, but it's a lot in our minds are, it's a lot more restrictive when we look at what we cannot do. Then what are the common ingredients that I can use to build meals? And my biggest tip is just to make meals more naturally free of X as possible, right? So my family, we eat a lot of rice because I, um, I don't eat regular pasta, for example, or, and I, we've, for years we had a, glu- I had a gluten-free child. So we eat a lot of rice simply because that way I don't have to boil two types of pasta, plain and simple. So that's one thing. Or on pasta night, everybody eats gluten-free pasta and I call it, if I don't have, and I call it a day 
and we just do that. Or we, we've, you know, I told my kids, okay, I started making more potatoes, baked potatoes or um, things like that, that uh, roasted potatoes. So things that were naturally gluten-free and it kind of checked the box for everyone, right? Right. Um, so that's one big tip. For the person that says, my partner, this is a big one I get, they don't eat leftovers. What, what your partner slash spouse is really saying is, translation, I do not want to eat the same thing the next day. <laughs> right. We, because <laughs> eating the same thing the next day is number one, boring. Number two, oftentimes things do not reheat well. Okay. Yeah. So the texture changes, the taste changes. It doesn't. Now, the, I think the only thing most people that say that, that they will eat leftover wise is a really good chili because chili is one of those things that really good one is better the next day. Yes. Um, so I think they don't complain about that one. I've been, I have a terrific chili recipe on my website and everybody says like, um, my uh, husband who doesn't want to eat leftovers ate four, four days in a row. So, um, <laughs> it really depends, but what that I don't want to eat leftovers really means is I don't want to eat the same thing every day. Yeah. So if you, uh, if you don't want to eat the same things every day, right? Like with what I told you earlier, making that salsa verde chicken, one night is like more of like a Mexican type of night. And another night is totally a pasta night. And the flavors are completely different, even though you're using that same quote leftover. Um, I, I did air quotes, you guys, um, <laughs> leftover chicken. It's not the same thing and no one's going to complain. So the, when the, the, what, what really goes behind that I don't want to eat leftover is I don't want to eat the same thing day in and day out, or the food really doesn't reheat well, right? Or th- there are, there's a, and sometimes we just have to ask, well, what is it about eating the same thing that you don't enjoy? Uh-huh. Yeah. And we're so afraid to ask. It's like, okay, they don't eat leftovers and we call it a day. And so this is something that I, I hear a lot. And so um, I've learned over the years that when asked, is, is that they don't want to eat the same thing. And, um, some things just don't reheat well. And so, um, I always suggest like reuse whatever's leftover. So if you're bulk cooking, like I gave you the chicken example is use it in a completely different flavor and in a completely different way where you're just utilizing a similar ingredient, but you're not eating leftovers. That's great, Laura. Yeah, I think another great tip for kids, especially to find some recipes that they'll enjoy is to let them pick it out themselves. So going through cookbooks, looking on Instagram, online, whatever. Um, And then they're empowered to make healthy choices and you can go food shopping with them and let them pick out the ingredients and, Mm -hmm. and come back and cook together, which is a great way to uh, get them excited about healthy eating. And so are there other ways that you, that you like to make the most out of your meals to really kind of, um, stretch your meals? So outside of what I just told you, you know, like finding ingredients and to use in different ways, right. Um, sometimes like, for example, we have like that one serving left And I say to people, save that one serving and utilize that as, or stretch it out into a lunch for yourself. Right. So another thing that people often overlook is stretching out the little bit that's left. It does not have to be a whole new meal. It could be a single serve option for one person. Um, and so I often eat, I reinvent whatever was left over into a lunch option for me. Um, at work, I just, 
heat it up. So if you're, or if you're home and you have access to the microwave or the stove, um, make them making the most out of your food for that one little bit of leftover into for doesn't and remember no one enjoys eating the exact same thing the next day unless it's really really good so skip a day right eat it another day so or freeze it in a single portion for a day where you just need to take out like you know sometimes I, I have single portion things frozen so I can take it out and heat it up for my kids as a thermos lunch mm-hmm. right um, so that's a terrific option so don't over don't don't overlook leftovers as oh, I don't have enough to make a whole other meal, but you may have enough to transform it into a lunch or two. So that's another way that you can stretch your meals. And of course, I if you're looking at the grocery prices right now and things are really expensive, um, you know, eat more um, meat less meals, you know, but people are like, oh, but I just make this pasta it's so good with chicken and da-da-da, my family loves it. Um, I often recommend, well, you know, maybe try out substituting the animal protein, which tends to be more expensive for um, two cans of whatever beans your family eats better, uh, best. So, you know, white beans are a great substitute for chicken in recipes, oftentimes, you know, so like pasta dishes or stir fries or tofu is also more affordable than animal protein. So there are ways to stretch your ingredients and your budget without complicating things. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought up beans because you mm-hmm. can also use beans in, in breakfast. You could make a breakfast burrito or, um, and, and just, you know, if you get them dried, they're so much more than in a can and you just let them soak for yeah. the day and then you cook them and they can use them in several meals throughout the week. You could transform them into different bean burgers or whatever the case is. I love that. Yes. I said can just because most people are like, what dry beans? You know, um, I won't even go there, but I mean, I obviously I use, I also buy them dried, but, um, I, I, I always try to give people the option, which is the path of least resistant, right? Like if you're going to make a change in your lifestyle and in your diet, what is the easiest way to make a small change? So just go there. And another great thing is breakfast night. So last night at my house, we had omelets for dinner. It was like, I just, I looked at everybody's like, okay, tonight we're having omelets. And it's kind of like when you go to a restaurant, so we, everybody gets to pick what they want to throw in their omelet. Why, yeah, why do awesome. pizzas have to be the only fun thing with toppings? Right. So right. one of my kids wanted pepperoni and cheese omelet. I was like, all right, we have that in the drawer. So you know, somebody else had spinach omelet and cheese and somebody else had tomatoes and ham, you know, but literally was just pulling out what we already had. Yeah, that's great. And so, you know, the meal kit subscriptions are pretty big right now. And I see a lot of parents relying on them. How do you feel about them? So I have tried many of them and I feel okay about them as long as it is not the adult meal and you're cooking something else for the kid. Right. And the reason is because it does, again, it does not support exposing your kids to a variety of foods, building healthy eating habits. But if your response to that is like, well, my kid isn't going to eat it. Well, then you shouldn't really order it because most meal kits require you to dice and slice or cook something. And now all of a sudden you're cooking again, two meals. So maybe that's really why you continue to hate cooking, right? You're you're doing more work. So it is not easier to buy a meal kit. Um, so the other option is to supp- like 
some of, I know some of those meal kits. Um, I'm very, very familiar with Blue Apron's uh, menu because I have it on pause right now. But from time to time, when we come back from working or there are weeks that I do order it from here and there. And um, because I also want to get in for me, like I want to get inspired by different combinations and they have chefs that, um, you know, they, they do, you know, they do all, they do all the figuring out. So from time to time, I'm like, you know what, let me see what it's all about. Like, and I find that, for example, I often have to make sure that I already have uh, cooked rice, you know, to heat up for somebody who doesn't eat whatever there maybe is like a farro or quinoa, you know, my kids don't eat quinoa. So it's my, I'm like, oh man, my husband and I really have like quinoa for dinner. And then the next day I make a quinoa salad with whatever's left over for lunch. Right. Um, but I feel okay. As long as number one, you're not, it's not the adult meal and your kids are eating something else. And number two, if you're trying to stay on a budget, they're not the most affordable option, right? They are less expensive than eating out, but they are not a affordable option compared to a simple homemade meal or the homemade equivalent. Because my family of five, I have to order. It's really hard for me to meal kits for my family of five because many of them I cannot order for six. And um, we're kind of short on the protein always. So uh-huh. um, I always have to stretch it or find something, you know, but uh, as long as, again, it is, if it substitutes eating out because you want to have, you know, a more adventurous option, sure. And as long as it's not the adult option and the kids are eating something else. That's great. Well, Laura, this has been so much fun. Tell me where listeners can go to learn more about you and your work. Yes. So I'd be delighted to help you, you know, inspire you with your cooking in the kitchen over at mamables.com on social, on YouTube. What I love if you have teenagers or kids that you want your kids more involved in the kitchen, browse my YouTube channel. Um, Even the younger ones really enjoy watching. They're very clean cooking videos, but it gets them exciting and excited about being in the kitchen, exposes them to simple recipes that they can be excited about helping you make. So that's always like a lot of parents when I'm on a podcast, they'll be like, Hey, I I heard you here and I saw you on YouTube. So because kids just really love it and um, it helps introduce new recipes to families. So anywhere mommables.com, you'll see it. Great. Well, Laura, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. That was such a great interview with Laura Fuentes. I hope you walked away with some new ideas that will help you feel inspired in the kitchen and maybe even look forward to cooking every day. If you're enjoying Food Issues, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review and a rating so we can reach more people. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode and I'll see you next week.